You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We have a fun event and some wonderful organizations here in St. Louis to share their story with you today. Um, and this involves... about bikes today. <laughs> I started Finally. to say... I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> do you like bikes? I do like bikes. <laughs> now, if you could sing hymns while on bikes, then that would I mean, be like... Sometimes what, the, I do. The ultimate event. Randomly um, and people stare. But it's fine. Maybe that's what we need is a, a bicycle hymn sing. Um, but this it. is going to come pretty close to that. So yes. uh, looking forward to sharing the story with you about three wonderful organizations here in St. Louis and a wonderful event that connects them all. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin, for your support of the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. Joining us in studio today, Deaconess Dr. Kim Shaves. She's Executive Director of Humanitary here in St. Louis. Kim, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having us. Welcome back, I should say. It's yeah. been a while since we've chatted about humanity. I think it has. I think it has. And I, I'm so tempted to pick on my, my um, colleague over here, Sarah, about our football. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm wearing the wrong I color won't. today. Too. I won't. We'll, we'll just talk about this interesting race coming up that's going to be wonderful for the city and the work that we do with homeless Ooh. individuals instead of dealing with our football rivals. <laughs> yeah. Right. Don't make me come over there and bring <laughs> Also joining us in studio, Lori Holt Grief. She's director of Development and Communication for Humanity. Lori, thanks so much for joining us today. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It is a delight to always share the story of Humanity. And it's been a while since we've had a chance to, to really give an update to our listeners about what's going on with Humanity. And for those who might not be familiar with Humanity, let's let's share that story too this morning. Um, so, uh, Kim, who does Humanity serve and uh, with help and hope today? Sure. Humanitary is a very longstanding organization here in St. Louis with a Lutheran presence from the beginning in the late 1800s. Um, they started by reaching out to street children, and it's evolved to where we are now today is Humanitary, where we continue to serve homeless families. Um, typically, it's a single mother with multiple children, anywhere from two up to six or seven children in some of our homes that we're blessed to house them in. Um, some of them are fleeing domestic violence situations, had nowhere to go, really no personal possessions um, to speak of are very limited. So we provide them with a home that's furnished, um, help them with the resources that they need to be able to get back on their feet and really learn some skills that they may have either lost sight of or may have never been taught um, just through their years of trying to navigate adulthood and parenthood. So I'm very blessed to be able to do that here in St. Louis. How does homelessness affect children in the St. Louis area right now? Well, obviously COVID, um, any organization that's serving those that are um, kind of in a marginalized position are really struggling with the effects of that global pandemic. Um, the children were especially affected um, basically because of school going virtual mm -hmm. and not necessarily mm -hmm. having the resources. Um, there's what's called the digital divide, which Lori could speak to from a, an academic standpoint, too, um, having done some research on that. But just the, the children in situations like what we serve are just already dealing with such trauma and challenges where they're academically behind as it is. But then to have needed that technology to be able to continue to grow and um, learn what they need to learn was really a challenge. But thankfully, we were able to find the resources to step up and provide the technology that they needed to the best of our ability um, to supplement what the schools offered. 
And I would say kudos to Kim for that because we really were. We really got to experience the digital divide firsthand with our families and our kids who did not only have access to the technology, but did not have access to the access even to the internet or anything that they needed in order to to pivot. So hearing the stories of, well, no child will be left behind with the pivot to online was really something we saw to be untrue for the families that we work with. So Kim worked hard to find um, grant money during this time to really outfit our families with what they needed to be successful in that, in that endeavor. So that was awesome. So it can certainly, homelessness can impact children greatly. Uh, what are other ways that you see homelessness impacting um, beyond education um, for children or for the for the whole family? What are some other ways that you see homelessness impacting? What I've learned over the last year and a half with Humanitree is that these families begin to operate in survival mode. So they aren't getting the benefit of everyday things that we might look at and appreciate or whatever. So they're living, you know, either with food insecurity or housing insecurity. And that can take a real toll on you mentally and physically, especially when you can't provide for your children. And we see that carry over into the children as well, where they're just, they're not able to thrive because they're so much stuck in that survival mode where they're just trying to make ends meet or find a place to stay for the night. And so it is a really traumatic experience and one that, you know, we take great care to work through as they come into our program. Mm -hmm. What is the the reality now? I know the pandemic has, has probably had a huge impact on homelessness in St. Louis. What does that reality look like now for homeless families in St. Louis? Well, we're a couple things to think about here. Um, I've been doing some presentations on domestic violence, and it's um, somewhat the pandemic has been called or dubbed the, the double pandemic because there's an increase in situations involving domestic violence or child mm-hmm. abuse because everybody is enclosed in the home sort of, yeah. at least through the last 16, 17 months, um, really with nowhere to go, no support systems necessarily to be able to uh, rely on. Um, and then secondly, we have an eviction moratorium right now, mm-hmm. which is helpful to families that are truly in need. And we recognize there's, uh, not to get into the political side of that, the other side would be the landlords and how they're supposed to subsist and be able to cover their expenses. But um, just for the those individuals that are already living below the poverty line or in a marginalized circumstance, having reduced income or lost their jobs altogether, and to have children in the picture is just very um, devastating for a family um, who is experiencing that. And then to not know if you have housing security and not you know, knowing if you will get evicted, um, I think that moratorium was helpful for a time, and, and we'll see how that plays out. But for now, uh, we continue to help all that we can. A lot of agencies like ours had to close down their intake process too. We were full, couldn't really help anyone else. And that's been a challenge too, because the need was so great. So we've been at full capacity uh, for quite a while. We're starting to have some openings as some families are moving out and graduating from our program. Paint a picture for us. How how great is the need in St. Louis right now? Who wants to? (laughs) Can I share some stats with you? All right, I'm going to read them because it's hard to keep track of all these. Mm -hmm. So St. Louis certainly has... Um, a, a large number of homeless individuals. Some of the date the dates are a little bit, you know, a couple years behind. They do in January each year what's called a point in time count, and they go out and physically count on the street people that they are will or that are willing to self-identify as homeless. But what happens with that? You're mostly dealing with individuals who are street homeless. When it comes to families, they're usually doubling up. They're living in a car. They're not necessarily being reached in that count. But officially, that count gives a little bit over a thousand 
or I should say 800 to 1,000 households that they have found on the street on that one night that are willing to claim that they are homeless. But what we found, the um, school district, the uh, Missouri Department of Elementary and Secondary Education, MESE, I think it is, mm-hmm. they paint a different picture. Because when you're working with the teachers and the school counselors and principals, they know those numbers. And I'm trying to find that here right now. Um, for the St. Louis City School District alone, and mind you, we serve the whole metropolitan area, St. Louis County, Jefferson County, some of the counties over in Illinois. But for St. Louis City Schools alone, um, they indicated that over 5,000 children were considered homeless. Wow. Um, and there are some other stats out here, too, that are just really... Um, it's just devastating to think about these kids. And again, those are the known numbers. We don't know the unknown. Homelessness for families is just always um, a challenge to try to really get those true numbers. It's kind of considered a, a hidden homelessness, too, because they're trying to figure out life and move from couch to couch for a family member or friend that they might know until they get booted and sent off to, to find somewhere else to live. So. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say another important stat, just in terms of as, as how it relates to our community, is um, it's it's noted that $35,000 a year is what it costs to um, take care of one homeless person as they are going in and out of maybe institutions or the hospital or different things. That is the cost to our, um, our community. So really trying to work with them and find a place for them and support them is a huge bonus for our communities as well. Sure, absolutely. And being the accountant, I'll bring the numbers. Yeah. <laughs> so you take that number, you yeah. know, $35,000 or whatever it may be, we are able to house a family, have them in our program. Um, so it, it could be a mom, it could be a mom and a dad, it could be a single dad. We have single dads in our program as well with multiple children. We're able to provide that service for about ten dollars to $12,000 a year uh, by giving them a home. Their utilities are paid for now. Their internet service is paid for. Uh, we provide them with um, in-home case management, um, try to help them connect with employment services, job counseling, um, counseling for mental health issues, medical care, things like that. So we really feel like we we do what we can on a a much smaller (laughs) uh, dime than what some government agencies are able to do. Sure. What is the the outlook for them then with all of these services and all of the help that you're able to provide? um, What does that actually look like for someone who moves through the program and ends up graduating? Because the the idea isn't that they'll they'll stay in the program, but that they'll move through and and be uh, successful in that. What does that actually look like for a family? I would say one of the most exciting things right now is our new children's program that actually launched mid-COVID. So Mm. it's Together Achieving Goals, um, and it focuses on really coming around the children and helping them. We have an occupational therapist on staff now who works directly with the children and does assessments. And um, the great thing about this second generational, two generational approach is that the children are learning what the parents are learning. Mm. So they're able to create cohesive family relationships and really work together to achieve success. And ultimately, you know, the children can look toward a more equitable future because they have skills that they might not have had otherwise. So that's been really, really awesome. In terms of um, families leaving our program, I'm sure Kim has other stories about of success. That they yeah, just, I mean, we yeah. primarily in the past had focused on the parents, and we helped with parenting, and we helped the children with their needs, but we didn't specifically target them. So. We usually see anywhere from a 70 to 80% success rate in families exiting our program at the end of two years and moving into permanent sustainable housing, which is an awesome um, goal, and, and we're really proud of our statistics there. But for those, you know, anywhere from 20%, maybe a little higher, maybe or a little less families that don't quite get to that point for whatever reason, we at least feel good that we've reached the children. 
mm-hmm. in the time that we have had them. So if mom and dad, for whatever reason, fall back into homelessness or fall into some kind of situation that's not as helpful for the children, they've gained some skills and they've learned a different way that they can go forward, really, in living their lives instead of just living what they have seen mm-hmm. demonstrated to them. Today, we're learning about the wonderful organization, Humanitry, serving with help and hope here in St. Louis. We're going to learn more about Humanitry in just a moment and the wonderful connection between Humanitry and other organizations here in St. Louis and a great event uh, to help all three organizations in just a moment. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. You're a miracle. You know that, right? A living, breathing, one-of-a-kind miracle. You were created to stand apart, to share your gifts in the service of others, to make an uncommon impact in a common world. And at Concordia University, it's our mission to help you do that, to live uncommon. To learn more about Concordia, go to cuw.edu. Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. Today we're learning about Humanitry, an organization that serves in St. Louis with help and hope and uh, the wonderful ways that they have been able to serve families in need, particularly experiencing homelessness. We're talking with uh, Deaconess Dr. Kim Shave. She's Executive Director for Humanitry and Lori Holtgrieve, Director of Development and Communication for Humanitry. Uh, Before we went to break, we were learning about um, how families... uh, go through the the program with Humanitry and and how that has led to success for families um, moving uh, out of homelessness and into the next chapter in life for them. What makes Humanitry unique or different from other agencies that serve families, whether uh, families in poverty or families experiencing homelessness? What's different about Humanitry, Kim? The gospel. <laughs> we as staff members, our board members, our volunteers are motivated by the gospel. We want to reach out to Christ's littlest one, share his love, his hope with him, and do that in a way that's going to be helpful and really bring about change that's going to be permanent and sustainable. Uh, unfortunately, there are a lot of programs and agencies out there that are providing great services. They don't have the longevity as far as their programming is concerned, get a lease in their name. And we consider that a win, you know, see ya. And then, you know, a couple weeks later, if they end up homeless again, that's not really tracked. So uh, we just have a long history in the Lutheran tradition of serving these families, again, with that gospel motivation that Christ has called us all to reach out to those in need. And we have that blessed opportunity here in St. Louis to do that among the most vulnerable, especially as we look at the children that we serve, too. Yeah, that makes all the difference in the world. It really does. Every volunteer group I've worked with have just loved serving as the hands and feet of Jesus among these groups. And it is an awesome thing to experience their passion for our mission and ministry as well. So it's, it's a, yeah, I mean, hmm. it's awesome. Who are some of the partners that you're able to work with uh, enable, uh, in order to, to do this work to help all of these people? Uh, we work with a, a lot of different, our um, 
our intake process, um, a lot of our families come from local domestic violence shelters, mm-hmm. homeless shelters, um, uh, um, different shelters that ha- that focus on pregnant women or pregnant mothers who they know they're going to need a home after that. So we have a lot of partners in that area. And as well, we're expanding um, into other ones. One recent one is Sweet Celebrations that actually um, – creates birthday parties for homeless children. So we um, stumbled across that uh, that group and they've been providing um, a birthday cake, presents, the nine, whole nine yards for these children and we deliver them to the families and they get to have a celebration. Birthdays are often something that gets set, put by the wayside when you have to choose between food or presents or a celebration or cake. So that's been a really beneficial one for us. Um, the other one we just uh, connected with was um, Fair Start and they actually help um, uh, people who are marginalized or sometimes not um, not um, accepted for various jobs to learn their skills and help them to move forward in the job um, search and they will help them with resume preparation and interview skills and actually working with companies that are hiring and willing to hire these people and put them on a career path which is really awesome that was a that's a brand new one that we just met with last week so we're just looking for all different ways that we can come around our families and really support everything they're doing in terms of moving forward tell us more about what it takes, how you're able to to serve these families. You, you mentioned some of the partners. I think, Lori, you mentioned volunteers earlier as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it sounds like connecting all the dots and bringing all these resources together. Yeah. Uh, and so tell us more about the resources that are needed to, to serve these families. Well, definitely the volunteers. I, I tell them every time that we couldn't do it without them. They do everything from a lot of lawn care and maintenance to, to relieve some of the stress from our maintenance manager, Sam, um, who's a joy to work with. Um, also rehabbing our homes. Um, really, for me, our homes are part of communities, and we want families to come home to them and feel like someone cares. So every time we paint a door, put up new numbers, do you know yard work or lay mulch, all of that is just showing them somebody loves you and cares about you. And it also lifts up their feeling of ownership toward the home. I live in a nice place and I want to keep it nice. So it's really that kind of a, a thing. So, you know, I'll tell volunteers, I know it doesn't seem like you're doing much, but you are doing so much because you are just showing these families that people love them. And then we have like our Christmas um, adoptions where it's a huge program. People can adopt families and um, they get wish lists. And, and that's a, always a fun day for us. I've, I've only experienced it once, but it was the most fun because we got to go and deliver all the presents to each of the families so um there's just so much we we need you know all the time of people time treasure prayer we'll take it all so (laughs) we are we're very blessed with financial support from generous donors and foundations that support us and understand uh st louis has an interesting dynamic when it comes to the racial dynamic with um, poverty and all of that. And there are just so many organizations willing to step up and help. We have to do a lot of grant writing yes. and really find yes. a way to, yes. to tell our story in a way that's going to um, to take root and, and be something that a, a donor is interested in um, funding. And then we just have long time and even, you know, short term um, faithful donors locally that keep us going. And um, we are so appreciative of every gift that comes through the door. It, it helps in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Yes. This work does take a lot of resources. It does. Uh, yes. And yes. a lot of partners and a lot of support. And at the beginning of this uh, episode, we 
talked about bikes. So, yes. <laughs> bike time. We're bringing in the bikes now. And I'm really excited for this. There's an upcoming cycle for the city event that you all are participating in with a few other partners. Tell us about this event. Yes, yes. And I will expect you to be signed up, Sarah. Uh, uh, so, Cycle for the City is a charity bike ride, and it's a bike ride, not a race. So, it's um, there's no, you know, winning the first person across the line. It's it's designed it's not a race, to, show, <laughs> to okay. show. Okay. I mean, you can certainly race if you'd like to. I'm I mean, you can put you. your personal best. Um, but there are um, places to stop along the way, and the idea is to just showcase the city and the great work that's happening and the great neighborhoods that we have that people might not really happen into unless they're on this bike um, bike route. I almost said race. That would be terrible. Um, but there's a 14 and a 34 mile route. So you, if you know, 14 is doable for pretty much anybody. We have four stops along the way for water and rest. Um, various groups are going to be supporting each of those hydration stations, we're calling them. So um, that uh, you can choose your route. Um, we're, it's a rules of the road ride. So um, there's no closed off streets. So that makes it a little more difficult. It's not really being built as a family event simply because mm -hmm. we're going to be going through traffic and we'll have people at lights trying to help navigate that. But it seems it, it just is kind of a better idea to keep it for adults at this point. Um, but the, the great part of this has been the collaboration between the three organizations that have been doing it because I personally have learned so much about Christian Friends of New Americans and about Lutheran Development Group, who are the other two who are working with Humanitary on this um, event. And it has just been awesome to see everybody come together and sharing resources and time and energy and skills and everything to create an event that really showcases all three organizations um, in such a great light. And as part of the city, we're all working to really help the city and to really en en enliven the city and get people more engaged in the work. So that's been a great part of it too. Hmm. So it's a it's a ride, not a race, Sarah. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I but you like you I like to ride I your like bike ride. just for fun too, I'd right? Ride here every day, yeah. Just for fun. <laughs> just for right. fun. <laughs> so get out and and ride through the city, see the city, and see um, all the as you mentioned, Lori, the neighborhoods and and and. Uh, and by participating in this, you're supporting Humanitary, Christian Friends of New Americans, and Lutheran Development Group. We're going to learn more about them in this little yes. mini series on the Coffee oh, Hour, yes. which I'm uh, excited to to get to share. How do we? Uh, I don't think we mentioned the date yet no. of this the cycle date for the city or the registration. Yeah, uh, the date is September sixth, and registration on site begins at eight a.m. But we prefer that you register online. Uh, it's $30, but you get a great t-shirt and some awesome swag, so totally worth it. And you just need to visit um, www.cycleforthecity.org. Now, if I remember correctly, September 6th, that's Labor Day, correct? Yes, it is. So you've got the day off, probably. Right. There's a good chance you got the day off. So <laughs> you can get out on your bike and enjoy the city and support these wonderful organizations. Cycle for the city. Dot org, correct? Yes. All right, Sarah, what are your bike questions? you have bike questions about this event? Well, I was going to ask more about the routes. Uh, the, the, you mentioned the neighborhoods, and I'm looking at the maps right yes. now. Um, well, where good. does this start, and where does it actually ride through? Because these are probably fairly, if, if you ride a lot in the city, these are probably fairly 
uh, familiar neighborhoods for some people. But tell us about the actual route. Yes. So the actual route will be better explained by Harry. But anyway, um, (laughs) (laughs) I will say we're starting in Benton Park and we're ending in Benton Park. Mm -hmm. So I know it goes up through Lime. It jumps onto Grant's Trail. I know that much. So um, and then I think the 14 mile turns around and starts to come back at that point and the 34 mile goes way further. Yeah, it actually comes uh, fairly close to us over here in Kirkwood. Really? Yeah, because yeah, yeah. it'll come all the way up Grant's Trail and then through like Webster and Maplewood along this following following some of the Greenway trails. Yes. So it's it's it'll be a nice Greenway ride too. Yes, I, I like the Greenways. We tried and to use, Park is yeah. wonderful. That area is beautiful. Yes. And I think we tried to stick with a lot of it on trail. So there's not a whole mm-hmm. lot of of road riding, but um, yeah, it's a, an opportunity to see the lovely trails that we have here. Oh my goodness, Grant's Trail is great too. Yeah, that'll be nice. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a lot of fun. Now, Kim, are you a cyclist? I know your hubby is. I was going to say, I'm married to one. <laughs> <laughs> That's close enough, right? I but you have to share what he's doing the day before. Because <laughs> he's doing some kind of triathlon the I day before. I think he was going to do a triathlon. So, so he he is not going to be racing you. He said this will just be a ride because he has a race the day That's before. That's fair. <laughs> so I am a triathlete spouse, I guess. I don't, I ride for fun, but he takes it way too serious. But. <laughs> Cycle for the City org is where you can sign up to participate in this wonderful charity ride, and we'll learn more about the uh, the other organizations, Christian Friends of New Americans and Lutheran Development Group, in coming episodes of the Coffee Hour. Um, how can we learn more about Humanitary and the wonderful work you're doing? Maybe even if uh, we need to connect a family to you. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, you can go to our website, which is www.humanitary, so human, org, or we have a Facebook page if you just want to Google that or try to get on Facebook and look for Humanitry. Have we ever talked about the history of the name where they? that No, came I'm from? always <laughs> curious. Three organizations merged in 2006. Um, Friends of Moms, Lutheran Ministries Association, and Good Samaritan, um, which was the homeless piece. And so I think it was the human care and then the TRI try because there were three. And so we have the tree as our logo. That's how I understand it. Humanitry. <laughs> Outstanding. Well, thank you. Thank you both for being here today, for sharing about Humanitry, the wonderful story of Humanitry, and how you're serving families with hope and help here in St. Louis. And the exciting event, uh, Cycle for the City, coming up September 6th here in St. Louis. You can find out more at cycleforthecity.org. I, are you registering right now, Sarah? As yeah, we, kind of. <laughs> yeah. I saw her typing on Thank you, Sarah. She's <laughs> registering as we speak. <laughs> Our guest today, Deaconess Dr. Kim Shave, Executive Director for Humanitary. Kim, always a, a pleasure to get to talk with you. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. And Lori Holt-Grieve, Director of Development for and Communication for Humanitary. Lori, a nice to meet you, and thanks for being our guest. Thank you so much, and I can't wait to see you all sign up. <laughs> You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golset. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you. Anytime. Anywhere. Anywhere.